0: Hi guys, welcome to Thrive, the podcast from the John Good Group. Today I'm with Matt Carr from Carr's Pasties and we are delving into the family business, the third generation family business. Today he's one of three brothers that own and run the company and you are going to find out all about the story of the business as you listen to the podcast. Uh, There's three big takeaways for me, so tune in, relax, get yourself a drink and enjoy the next 45 minutes or so. Well Matt, welcome to Thrive. Thank you very much for having us today thanks for coming um matt is one of the owners of cars pasties 85 year old bakery based here in bolton matt just tell us how it started
1: well it's the third generation family firm so it started on Hollowell road in bolton about two miles down the road um, we had a general store say we my grandparents had a general store um, that served the mill workers basically of the local district and Formed a big queue around the block whenever we decided to start knocking out pies and pasties from from the, from the back room. Um, we, we found some ledgers recently for um, the 1940s, I think it was, it might have been the 30s. Um, and it was like a double entry bookkeeping sort of, you know, these old ledgers uh-huh. and things. And we had four suppliers at the time. And one of them was Warburton's. Okay. And, you know, who were also just down the road. Yeah. then some general stores. And then some just ingredient stuff. But yeah, it was a very simple start, really. And that one product, the meat and potato pasty, hasn't changed that much since then. There's probably less beef dripping in there now. But, okay. Um, it's grown and grown and grown. But this meat and potato pasty, which is a staple of Bolton, has, has sort of seen us through all the good times and bad times. And we've managed to fashion a business now that is for everybody in the UK. Superb. So, yeah. Superb. Um,
0: we'll go through some of the generational shifts shortly, mm-hmm. but what's your earliest memory of the family business?
1: Oh. I've got, um, I've got a few. So if you're very short, you know, when you're five or uh-huh. four or whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of times where my dad would have to call into the shop and I'm in the car. So said, right, we're just going in here. And so it was always at Holloway Road. Mm-hmm. Um, this where we are here was built in nineteen seventy-five, I think, or seventy-six. Um, so I would have been one then. So I don't really remember too much about hair. I always used to seem to go mm. to Halibow Road. Okay. Uh, when I was younger, and there'd be just legs everywhere. Yeah. And I'd look up and at some point somebody'd loom down at me and go, I you know, you know, sort of look after the little one. Shove a meat and potato pasty in my hand, uh-huh. and then I'd just—you know—those fly traps in doorways. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like plastic. Yeah, and I sort now, of stand, now we're going back some years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I sort of stand out at the shop, sort of playing with that, eating my pasty. Uh huh. And there'd always be somebody coming around the side door who thinks they know the family. Yeah, going. All right, John, how are you doing? You know, I'm just coming in for, and they'd always have a meat pie or something like that. Yeah, there'd be this sort of ritual of serving the bet. You know the. The, those in the know customers uh-huh. and I just watched them come and go and watch drivers come in and out and, and so at
0: that time that would have been normal for you right so yeah, 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 yeah. What, when did you start to realize actually that 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 isn't normal and and what you were experiencing was different because of the institution that had been the bakery in in the town I think it's probably school
1: summer affairs. okay you know so my dad um we all went me and my like, I've got a lot of cousins so just to give you a update on the second generation my dad John Mm -hmm. my uncle Bernard my uncle David and my auntie Veronica all quit their jobs in the late 60s to form a limited company that is Cars Past is Limited and sort of then got a massive grant from Bolton Council of all things um, to build the site that we're on well the site just next door to this building Um, and it was a going concern for all of that time but the growth profit was great. If you look at the actual figures now, now, now that I'm in business, I've uh-huh. learned I've learned to see what's a healthy business and what isn't. And they had no cash. We never had any money growing up because this massive debt of this um, of the factory had to be paid off, and it, it was okay. a twenty-year process. Wow! So the business was growing slowly. It was all doing great. Yeah. You know, you'd be happy with the growth figures, but there was never any net profit at the end of it. Okay. But it was okay. All servicing that debt. Oh, yeah, yeah there, was, there, was, there was no money in the business until yeah. there was like a hockey stick around early 90s. Do you
0: think you're that the second generation understand some of the risks that they were taking at that time, given what you've described actually happened?
1: From, what I've, from my conversations that I had with, uh, so my dad died about, four, actually, I don't actually know how many years ago it was, but it was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, my Uncle Bernard died quite early, David, hmm. last year. Veronica's the only one who's still around, but I've spoken to a lot of them many times over the, over the years about you know what happened, how did you how did you do this? Yeah. and the answer was kind of the same reason that we're in it for, which is we've got this product that everybody loves, and it's kind of insulates you from outside pressures of recessions and uh, you know and all kinds you know all kinds of other things. There's a certain number of people that will always turn up here and buy a meat and potato pasty. From us, yep. as long as we provide, we fulfil their expectations, which is the simple product that tastes great and you know reminds them of growing up. There's, yep. it's, that pasty has been in this town for eighty years now. Yep. If you if you like cast pasties, you've got a full life of remembering it. Yep. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, no matter who you are, and that's something that is special, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that uh, we can trade on. Yeah. Um, so, in answer to your question. I think we would be doing some affairs because everyone like it's a community type of family business. We're always trying to help out here and there, and um, so St. Brendan some affairs or Thornley some affair. There'd always be some sort of pasty s- supply or you know something like that. And it wasn't until I realised that all right, hang on a minute, somebody's bringing in two hundred pasties to this function, and I'm at this function, and everybody's going yes, cast pasties. And you get into sort of six or seven, and you're starting to realise, all oh, right. So everybody knows about this. It's not just a thing that we sell in a shop. Yeah. Um, and then you go to school, and everybody calls you Pasty. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> was the nickname, was it? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, only My aunt, my um, my cousin Angela and my cousin Jackie uh-huh. were in the same year as me. Uh, one was David's daughter. One was Bernard's daughter. Uh-huh. And somebody in the in the, in the playground in secondary school, a shep pasty and three of us have turned around. Right. But it'll yeah. actually be six or seven of us because there's cousins uh-huh. right through the years, you yeah. know? So it's a bit weird, that not it, really? Well, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It is what it is.
0: So you've gone through school, you're starting to recognise this as an institution in the town and people know who you are, even though you don't know who they are. Sure. Um, were you always destined to come into the family business, or what were you thinking when you were getting to that time now where
1: you're going to move into your career? Where was your head at? So there's no question that we were very lucky as kids to be able to get jobs as soon as we were 16. Yeah. Well, look, it was the 80s. You know, maybe slightly less than 16. Uh-huh. We could come in and get some work done. You know, we'd be putting foil trays in a foil tray hole on a line. Yep. Or scraping trays was a brilliant one. We could spend a whole summer doing that. Right. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, so you'd always have a bit of money. You know, and a bit of you know packing, basically packing frozen pasties was was something I did for years and years. Okay. But me and Liam and Joe, who are now the brothers that are in the business, yeah, we've all done every job in the business. You know, we you know this lot who work for us right now probably have no way of knowing that because yeah. we don't tell them and they don't remember because they weren't here. But yeah, we, we're pretty experienced in the business, and um yeah, we've we've got this. um We've got this situation now where um, I I got to the age of eighteen. I went into sixth form, uh, followed science and maths and stuff, and I wanted to go and do something at university. Mm-hmm. But I also got itchy feet. I was I'm the oldest brother, and um, our family was a very tight knit family, and I was kind of burst into just get out of it and go and see what was going on. Okay. And I got all the way to Sheffield. Which <laughs> <laughs> what, 40 miles is across the cross Less, less than that. <laughs> it's just over yeah. a hill, basically. Where my godfather lived, where, which is my, my dad's best mate. Yeah, And I'd looked at all these different universities, but I think somebody just said to me in school, oh, I heard Sheffield's a really good place to go. And I sort of stuck into, stuck uh-huh. in my head, and I went, right, it's far enough away that they need notice if they're going to come and see me. Yeah. But it's close enough that I'm going to get my washing done if I if you need send to, it back. Yeah. It's one of them, isn't it? You yeah. know? And you think you're miles away, but you're not. So I, I moved to Sheffield for uni and never really looked back. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved down to London um, for a time. I met my wife there and moved back to Sheffield. Okay. And I was a technology consultant. For, okay. Yeah, I worked in construction, worked in technology. Doing my thing, and one day, my dad, about, about 10 years ago, my dad called and went, right, it's time. Okay. If you want to come and help your brothers out, we yep. would be much appreciated. And so, I said, So well, at I,
0: that point, it was an if. So you had the choice
1: at that point, or in your mind, me, did no, you come on, there? he said if. Okay. But I'm not going to turn it... I'm not going to turn... <laughs> my dad is was a wonderful guy who was humble and never really asked for much and never really you know, judged you or anything like that. Very impressive individual. Uh-huh. And if, I, I think that might be the only time in in his life he ever went, I'd like you to do this. Okay. Yeah. You know, and and I respect that. And I yeah. felt like that is old, uh-huh. And so it was pretty much immediate where yeah. I was like, okay, I've got these three kids. Um, I've got, you know, a, a growing family and a growing life in Sheffield. Yeah. Got an interesting conversation to have with my wife now. Yeah. So uh, that was all fully supported, and I started commuting from Sheffield to here. Okay. So I said, you know, I can do two or three years, and that was ten years ago now. <laughs> so your two brothers are already in the business when yes. you've come back. Yeah, they've so only ever worked here. So they've gone through and through yeah. every job. Yeah, they're proper. They're, yeah, yeah okay. They're, they're the proper family business guys. So
0: how did have you ever talked about how they felt with you going off and doing your own thing and then coming back? I was talking about it. Okay. (laughs) And and what was the feeling at the time? Clearly that's changed over the last decade, but on day one, was it weird? Were they like, oh my God, this
1: is great. You're back. How did that all work? Um, Okay. So the first day, Joe was in an office, but Bernard had died quite a while ago. Uncle David, who ran the bakery, he'd, he was still around, but not sure how much. Liam was running the bakery. Mm-hmm. This is my brother Liam. Yeah. And Joe was trying to run everything to do with pieces of paper. Okay. Essentially. Yeah. And it was all kind of falling in on him. And he he looked at me and went, right, this is all happening. Yeah. And I was like, okay, fine. That's all good. And my dad was still around, of course. And he was just being dad, you know, he run the business as as he always had by instinct. Mm-hmm. His business plan was to Said it loads of times. We open the door at the start of the day, we make a load of pasties and we sell them. And at the end of the day, we have slightly more money than we had yeah. when we started the day.
0: Good, solid, simple what business plan. plan. Yeah. yeah, and it works, right?
1: Yeah. Um, but um, I started saying, right, we need to do some marketing mm-hmm. and we need to look at this brand. We've got a really great brand. Silence. And because nobody needs to know what a brand is at Cars Pasties. Yep. So more fool me. Mm-hmm. But essentially we all had to learn together what a brand is and we also had to learn what a strategy was. And this is difficult because this company's been going fine without me sticking my oar in, talking about...
0: Strategy and branding and proposition.
1: All this stuff. So we brought in um, somebody, a fantastic woman called Carol Myers from Conception over in Trafford. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually borrowed Robinson's Brewery's boardroom so that's got a bit of history in it yep. they're a whole family business in Stockport and we uh, all sat around the room and Carol said right it's 2020 this is in 2013 yep. where do you see the business and actually I wrote down some kind of typical you know anybody could have written my plan okay. oh I think we'll be growing and taking over you know yeah. my brothers were pretty much it'll be exactly the same Okay, but my dad was like well in 2020 um, I think that you know, this place is, it could be anywhere, but no matter where it is, um, it's not necessarily anything to do with us anymore. We could have sold it by then. Okay. And for him to say that was giving us permission to actually say, right, now we have autonomy in this business and we can decide where to take it. Wow.
0: Okay. Now, of course,
1: we have not, you know, we're a family business. But yep. It's kind of in our blood. But that one statement was really remarkable for him to go, all my life's work. All this stuff I've built yeah. with my family yeah. is now your oh, thing. Yeah,
0: and the shackles are off and over to you. Well, yeah, the, the shackles, shackles feel, are on <laughs> then, aren't they? Well, okay, shackles are on maybe. Um, did that feel like weight at the time? Did you feel like, like, oh, no, hold on a minute, this no, has got a bit I, real. I was
1: really excited. It's a, it was a fantastic opportunity. Uh-huh. To, if we got it right, yeah. we could. we could sell this fantastic proposition of simple... Batch, you know small batch cooking sort of not taste of home but a taste of something like people would buy into the family element of it Mm -hmm. people would buy into the fact that we're quite friendly and approachable and uh, people can buy into the fact that we look like we're having a good time because we are we get on together we get on with everybody in the factory yeah we're a team we're a family ourselves here's the thing um Roger Ward our spud supplier Mm-hmm. Sells us he goes out to Scotland and everywhere to find us the best. He's our potato broker, yeah. right? So um, his dad sold my dad's spuds. Okay. It's like that round yeah. here. Yeah. You know, and it's wonderful. Everybody buys into it. Yeah. And so Although I was really, trust and
0: loyalty there, right? Yeah. So when he tells you something, you believe yeah. it, it, it's fact.
1: But also, when we tell the wider world about us, we don't have to make it up. Yeah. We mean it. And if you want to buy into it, fantastic. And that's kind of been. What we've been doing. Okay. Do
0: you think at that time that you've just described with your father, he recognised the experience you had outside of the business, especially technology, and what you were gonna to bring to the business? Uh, or did or, or do you think he just thought, I want all my sons back and, and doing no, this? Problem? He
1: he recognised that I was there to fill a gap that was required, mm-hmm. but it was with a certain sense of trepidation. Okay. You know, there was a certain element of oh, fancy Matt who left home. You know, he, he, who knows what he's going to come out with. Right, and there's okay. still an element of that. And, and, um, You're the wild card, is I'm that? I'm not the person who knows what to do with this business, right? <laughs> okay. So what, what I can say, though, is I've been out a bit and I've dealt with a lot of businesses and I've helped grow businesses and I've learned some lessons. And I brought these back and now me and my brothers can say with conviction that I know how to run a business. They know how to run this one. Yeah. And between us, there's a bit of a healthy tension and we get it right. Okay. So far. Yeah. So
0: let's talk about that then. So um, the the shareholder has shifted from your father's generation into yours. So he bought out completely. He yep. bought
1: everybody out. Okay. And, and, uh, and then it all came, came to you and, and you and
0: you you bought that from your father. Yeah. 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 Well, so in
1: inverted commas, how, but yeah. How did that come? Was that just a seamless transition? It was remarkable. Um so I've, you know, David's got seven kids. Uh, Bernard's got. but th- I better get this right? <laughs> Three. <laughs> Let's say there's a number of there's kids a lot around of kids. everywhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so everyone's got vested interests, you know, yeah. because they're they're proud. You know, it's their name above the door as well. Uh huh. And um, what we had to do was put a valuation on the business, and then put a real valuation on yep. the business, and make sure that everybody was, um, you know, recompensed in on reflection of all of the work that everybody had put in. Yeah. Now, I wasn't there for for that negotiation. Actually, there was two cousins in the business, sorry, that weren't in the business, that came in to facilitate that. Okay. So they knew their parents, but they also knew everybody else. Okay. And they came up with basically what we thought was fair. Okay. And in fact, we asked them what was fair.
0: Yeah, and they mediated and make it all work. I'd be
1: very interested to hear, if anybody listens to this podcast from my family... Please give me a bell. I'd love to know what your uh, opinion of it was at the time. Um, but everybody seems to have been happy, and I think they're all following, you know, with interest. And we have cousins in the business now. Uh-huh. Uh, so we've got Judith who runs uh, basically all our financial controller stuff. Okay, Bernard's daughter. Uh, we've got Helen, Dave's daughter. We've got Chris McNulty, who's actually um, our, my eldest auntie, who was never in the her mum was never in the business. Okay, she ran a butcher shop with Alan Law down the road. And um, so we've got people around who... Amazing. Yeah, and in fact, I've just spotted a fifth generation, someone who's just having uh, some work experience here. Okay. Um, And yeah, she will have been... Oh, so she's my cousin Gemma's kid. So that's another fourth generation. But they're dotted around. So it's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So you guys
0: have done the deal... You're the owners of the business now. You've taken on, you know, the stewardship of this brand. Mm-hmm. How do you organise yourselves to keep... Because you've got family on one side and you'll see each other on the weekends doing your socials yep. and then you've got the boardroom on other days okay, where so, you can have healthy conflict. Yeah. How, how do you manage all that?
1: So we'll leave the roles out of it. Yep. We've got decisions to make as a business. You know, how, how, you know, the big decisions we've always said have to be unanimous. Mm-hmm. So let's take coronavirus. March 2020, this place was flying. We were panic-making pasties, and people were panic-buying pasties. Okay. And it was a scrum yep. in the shop, and we just went, I don't know what's happening, but let's, you know, and then all of a sudden we had to realise, hang on a minute, there's something happening here. Yeah. We need to keep everybody safe. I'm not sure what I'm seeing in there and what I'm seeing in the shop is, is safe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all recognised that. So we sat down in our Joe's front garden. Okay. Uh, two metres apart on yep. different, you know, outside. Yeah. With uh, with Joe's wife lobbing tea at us from a safe distance. And um, we had to come out with that meeting going, right, are we in essential service? I think we could claim that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, or should we shut down and, you know, figure out how to do it and open up again? And because... The town of Bolton love our products. It's easily convinced. We could all be easily convinced that no, 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 no we're needed. Yeah, you know, but actually, we are. But you know, are we essential? Yeah, we're not a convenience store. You can't come to us and buy everything you need for a week and then go home. You you have to nip in to buy something. You know, yeah. so without saying who was who, two of us thought we were an essential service, mm-hmm. and one of us saying, no I think we need to shut down And we sat there for quite a while and we couldn't we couldn't make it, uh, we couldn't make that decision until two or one were convinced actually convinced that no you're right, let's do it, let's go And so the decision was made to shut down okay. but that was only after a really intense conversation about who we are, about what the business is in its essence, yeah. about what we're required, about who thinks we're special, about what that means, mm-hmm. all fundamental stuff.
0: Wow, deep. You know, yeah, really it was really
1: deep. Yeah. And, and in a really condensed yeah. period of time. Yeah, and, and, and it really about. mattered because I think it was after furlough had been announced. Okay. So the, there was a possibility that we could shut down. Yeah. Anyway, we took the decision, we shut down, I think on the same day or maybe the day before or day after. I can't remember who went first, but McDonald's shut about the same time. Okay. And then everybody like us all shut down. Yeah. And that was great, right? You know, that meant uh, we're able to do it. The company's going to be safe for now. Mm -hmm. We can pay everybody, keep everybody safe, send them home. So that was an example of quite an important decision. Yeah. But every decision like that has to be unanimous. And me and Liam and Joe are good at that. Yeah. But there is a thing where you swap from being shareholders and directors on a board of a small business yep. to three brothers in a room. Yeah. And it happens like that. Does it? All right, we're not gonna get anywhere today. Let's just take a break. That has been pretty um hard on every on all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been some things said. Yeah. We're we'll leaving in the boardroom now, okay, meeting over and then we all like sort of come out of a trance and sort of look at each other and go that was weird wasn't it and (laughs) And you you (laughs) you can all compartmentalise so far so good brilliant look I'm not saying it's all been you know easy yeah I think we all go home and talk to our wives about yeah that Uh, I don't know can you swear on a podcast let's just assume you you can't well I'm only going to say Dickhead that (laughs) Dickhead brother of of mine you know whatever and and I'm sure that's all been happening I know I do it Mm -hmm. sorry Liam sorry Joe <laughs> <laughs> but we say it to each other, don't worry about that. And we all recognize that, you know, we all think each other's mad in different ways. And actually, we all recognize that we are a bit odd yeah. in different ways because nothing matters as far as your career goes. That's kind of assumed, right? You're yeah. a shareholder of a business. Yeah. It's very difficult to be fired from a shareholder of a business. I've tried. Uh huh. It's, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> it might work yeah. now. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. But, yeah, we've, we've stayed solid. Okay. Sorry, you shouldn't tap the... Don't worry about it. Shouldn't tap the so,
0: you've gone through this. So, we, we went through the pandemic. Clearly, you know, incredibly difficult for lots of businesses like yours. Mm-hmm. We've come out the other side. There's a big period of growth going on. And um, what does the next phase of the business look like? What 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 are you trying to achieve? What do you want to do? How's it going to work?
1: So, this room that we're in is um, one of um, a phase of development that, so these new offices that we have, that we've moved into a few months ago, it's it represents a phase of development that is really changing what Car's Pasties is okay. um, and how quickly it can move. Um, a good business, in order to be, to be productive, needs clear vision. It needs a really good management team and leadership team in order to, manage that vision and to communicate it to the rest of the company. Mm-hmm. It needs fantastic training for everybody in the company to make sure that everybody is aware of what their own role is and how it fits in the overall picture. And you need to do a lot of digitization, which is obvious, you know an obvious mm-hmm. problem of our time. So if you do all those four things, you become productive. And we're doing all those things, but when you go from a company of 40 people in 2013... To a company that's today on today's count, I think about 130, maybe 125. Um, you really need those things in place. So we didn't have any of those things in place in 2013. Yeah, but we now we've got everything. Okay, and we've got a good leadership team that is pretty much well populated now. And mm-hmm. if not, it's done by external uh, sort of uh, companies. Like uh, we have an IT a guy who runs an IT company. Okay, who. Um, has been transformational in you know, getting us on the digitisation track. And yes, he's on the leadership team. And yes, he does seem to send us a lot of invoices. Yeah. But he's been brilliant he's for He's a us. specialist that's really helped yeah, drive yeah. the business. Same with HR Yeah, um, and, and same with a couple of other things. But we've got the head of operations, Gavin, mm-hmm. who was our first senior hire outside the family, okay. to replace my brother okay. who was running the bakery. Yeah. And that took a real uh, brave move from my brother, Liam, to say yes, I am the person who is now going to step aside and stop doing the job that I've done all my life and I'm going to leave my crew behind in the bakery and I'm going to go and find something else to do in the business because this guy Gavin is more qualified than me and understands what the future will hold. Okay, So he's got the bigger picture. Yeah, It's the same with me. I've got the head of commercial who's about to join Cars Pasties next uh, month, John Um, O'Brien. He's going to do exactly the same. And um, we've gone from a profitable company that turns over just over 2 million for a profitable company that, you know, is knocking on the door of 10 quite soon. Yep. Um, and, you know, we're about sort of seven or something now, but we've got a new shop opening and there's various other things happening. We can see 10 clearly in our sights. Yeah. But to double that takes something else. Yeah. I've worked for companies who turn over 20 million pound and they don't look like this. Uh-huh. There's a journey to go through and we're going to have to be there to make sure that when it happens, we're still cast pasties and we still have that lovely community feel and that lovely family feel. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do it like everybody else does it because yep. you're a family business. Yeah, You don't even do it like other family businesses do it. Yeah, um, You do it your own way.
0: So you're going to bring in some new talent to yep. help drive this next phase of growth. Yeah, You clearly have a really strong proposition that you want to maintain. Yeah. How are you going to manage that because that could potentially conflict especially if you guys sure. are out necessary out of the day today. So yeah. how does how's that going to
1: work? There is um, a strong set of values that everybody in the business knows, you know, uh, we work as a family, we do the right thing, we fill yeah. everything with pride. Yeah. And underneath that is a load of stuff that explains to everybody what that means. And it was as a result of a lot of consultation, but a lot of actual brainstorming between me and my brothers and others. And then we kind of announced what the values are. And that worked really well because we needed people to buy in and we needed to lead from the front. These days though, we've got some really intelligent, really energetic, really passionate people that work for us. And we selected some people who were not maybe, you know, senior leaders, but managers or others that were in the business, team leaders maybe, um, who were perhaps you know around, you know in their twenties, around, mm-hmm. around there, and we got them all in a room, or rather we got a facilitator, a family business facilitator. Um, shout out to uh, Sue Howarth and Dave Clarkson mm-hmm. from the family business community, yep. and uh, they sat in a room and went right, we're going to do a values exercise, and they came up with another six set of values that really mean something to them. Um, really remarkable words like we are driven and fearless okay. and, you know and, and we know what we're doing you know we, but there's also we, uh, we we're completely open and welcome welcoming, which is like a diversity thing without mm-hmm. you know but they all came from the heart and so now we've published those and actually we put them on the walls outside Look yeah. the outside we are driven, uh, fearless and dedicated to our roles yeah it's wonderful, yeah really really great. Um, so they own those values. And, and we communicate it to the rest of the company and that you do things like that. Okay. You do things like that to do with delegation, but also everybody knows what, who we are, why we come to work and what we do. They buy into it, but then they have their own reasons. Yeah. And you need to include that in order to understand, in order for it to be authentic. hmm and these new senior hires
0: that are coming in, yeah. are you evaluating them against some of yeah. these values when you're sat in front of Very them? Very much so. Are you re- tell yeah. me how that process works then and how you go about doing that.
1: So it's a quite an intensive process actually for the, for the people who are being interviewed. Yeah. We have a series of interviews that you would say are your classic type of interview and we'll whittle that down to two or three people mm-hmm. but then they'll come into the business And without preparation, they know they've got, I think, six, five, six hours with us, maybe four or five hours with us. Okay. They come into the business, and there's some of those managers, you know, in the room. Right. And we're actually observing at this point. Okay. And and, um, they're tasked to go out into the business, have a look around, and come up with a 100-day plan for us. Okay. And they have to then engage with the staff. They have to understand... They've had to actually done some research on us and understand what's going on uh, and then come back and they have a team of people there to help them get this presentation together and then however you can do it, all right, what's your your proposition? We're not expecting a polished PowerPoint slide. In fact, I'd be a bit disappointed if we Uh did get that. But yeah, Gavin... Uh, our head of operations really nailed it right when he joined us by the way in March 2020 oh really good timing (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. so when he joined welcome aboard Gavin he had to shut these operations down he was perfect because he was able to convince us that we didn't need to make pies anymore okay because it's 20% of our turnover and 80% of our effort yeah not really that but it gives you an idea okay and he said we need to get rid of something in order to introduce social distancing and keep everybody safe as we're manufacturing okay and so we waved goodbye to our beautiful pie machine. Yeah, you know it's like a triggers broom. Almost everything had been um, um, replaced on it at some point. Uh huh. But um, yeah, the uh, the the radical change that Gavin brought in, we already trusted him because we've been through this interview process. Yeah. And we were all in on Gav. Yeah. So he was saying we need to do this, and we were like, "Yep." All right. brilliant so it, it really helps you break down
0: those trust barriers very early with the process yeah. that you work through yeah okay so you're going to professionalize the management team which um, yeah. is going to give you the foundations to do the next wave of growth yeah you've talked about other generations already in the business and, and yeah. from different bits of the family so how does that work sort of square in that circle you potentially got new generations who want to come in potentially want to take over from you take mm-hmm. shareholding leadership roles but you've also going to have this professional layer of management mm-hmm. so if there, is, have you three given any thought to how you're going to manage that
1: particular so, scenario? Just to underline to anybody listening to this that's wondering what the hell me, Liam and Joe do now. Yeah, uh, We're in a family council sort of situation. Okay, We're in the business, um, some more than others. Um, Liam currently is um, battling with a the of plasterboard. He's building a new set of rehearsal rooms and um, performance area and hopefully recording studio for... Our sort of side project, which is a music a youth music project okay. called Rockets for Rocket Bolton CIC. Okay. It's a not-for-profit and it's designed as one of those weekend clubs that it's accessible to all and all inclusive and people come in and sort of find themselves and especially if they're into music or even if they're not. it's one of those things that makes them creative, gives them confidence, gets them out there and performing yeah. original things, songs that they write themselves. Uh, We're moving from a place that we rented. We've actually found somewhere that we can make our own. And Liam now has been able to go, right, see you in a few weeks, everybody. I'm going to go and do this. Brilliant. Because Gavin's there to do everything, right? And Liam has already been involved in B2B sales for many years, but that's also doing really well. Mm -hmm. Liam's great. We're all great, but Liam's great. Yeah. And so he's been able to do that. And he's now, he can see the value of being unshackled from the business because he can now work on the business not in the business yeah and that's what we're all doing to some extent okay. so we're still looking after elements of the business day to day yeah but i'm going to be um you know doing other things as well but making sure that this place runs day to day you know we'll be part of the leadership team yeah and we'll be around we'll still be yeah we'll still be sticking our oar in don't yep. worry about that yeah so, what was your original question? Though? So then, about I, aspiration, I like aspirations
0: for the next generation potentially yeah. coming through. So,
1: look, then you're getting into conversations that have usually be behind closed doors because I can say what happens to a fourth generation business. Mm-hmm. There aren't that many fourth generation businesses around. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's because you don't prune the tree, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we have done. Yeah, you know, and maybe you need to prune the tree again. Maybe it should become a, an actual family business where everybody in the business has some sort of share in it. Uh-huh. Maybe um, somebody swoops in and offers a truckload of cash that would be hard to say no to. We're not doing that, by the way. We're wow. having a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of um, options ahead and our kids are young. Yeah. So I think this family council element has a bit of legs in it. Yeah. You know, We don't need to worry about it. For another 10 years. Yeah. Really. Um, until we've got a serious proposition from the fourth generation. Yeah. In, and the you, me- in the meantime, though, there are people in this business who are happy working for us. Yeah. You know, but who's to say what happens there, you know? Yeah. It's going to be so interesting in the next 10 years yeah. to see what happens. But you do need to make a plan for all of those things I've mentioned so that it doesn't come as a shock to you. Yeah, absolutely. A- and actually, that's quite complicated to do. And you do think... Actually, how are there any fourth-generation businesses? Yeah. Well, it's because, incredibly
0: emotive, isn't yeah. it, for
1: starters? Well, so. well we, we might mess it up yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? We, Track record <laughs> says otherwise. Yeah. But it might happen. We, yeah. It might not be worth anything in 10 years. Yeah. No, so you don't take your eye off the ball. You push it as hard as you can. Yeah. You remain open to possibilities. That's certainly what my dad did. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a strategy. That was more, he was the youngest one, and he had to do... He, he was kind of boxed into a corner, really, oh. um, but he did it remarkably well. And yeah. with and very inspiring what he did.
0: Yeah, and you you got that taste for the business at a young age, as you've described. Yes. Yeah. Do you create opportunities, you know, for your children or any of their cousins to come in and just get the feel for what it's yeah, about?
1: That, that door's always open. Okay. Um, we've probably got because it's the summer holidays. Yeah. There's probably. Six to seven of those okay. knocking about, yeah. who were teenagers and yeah. and, and sort of getting them on the lines, doing have, bits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. And what and what do they say about it? What feedback do you get? I'm ashamed to say, other than hey, how you doing? And they sort of look at me startled because they're <laughs> confronted with the queue of people in the shop and they don't know how the till works. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs Excuse up, <laughs> <laughs> rabbit in the headlights, sort of thing. And I remember doing that. Yeah. So I just leave them to it. Okay. You know, but I know what they're thinking. They're yeah. thinking this i'm lucky to be here yeah and also i'm very tired yeah, yeah and yeah, actually yeah this, this isn't is real as mu- yeah, yeah and this isn't as much money as i thought it would be
0: <laughs> <laughs> um let's go back then over the time in your leadership is, is there a, a point that you can really sort of focus in on where you go that was a real pivotal point in in my ownership and my leadership of this business
1: so we're going to take the singular out of that yeah. because it's a very much a uh, a shared responsibility. This this position uh, between me, Liam, and Joe. Okay, um, it's a really great question. I think it was. I think it was probably early on when we decided what type of growth to go for, and so we took a decision that we were going to start trading outside Bolton. Okay. Um, and at the time, it got a very good laugh at places I, If I was asked to speak anywhere, I'd talk about exporting. Um, un, you know, and it was only like like sort of two minutes later, people realised I was talking about Manchester. Yeah. But that was real. Everybody in Manchester, oh, don't like a pasty, I like a pie. Yeah. You know, and Wigan, good grief, were surrounded by, you know, these these entrenched positions yeah, yeah. and we're like well we're pretty, lots of strong identities yeah we better stay West, where right? we are yeah. yeah we don't want to start getting ideas above our station yeah but actually we make a great product people are buying into it uh, the town next door berry already no one loves you know we've got people you know who, who drive up from down south because they used to live in Bolton, uh-huh. and you know and get a load of frozen and then drive back down you, you hear all these stories and it's the decision to go right let's just start looking up and out of Bolton. Mm-hmm. I think was a small but really, really important decision that we were all bought into. Okay. Because the decision could easily be, let's just open another 30 shops around Bolton in the five-mile radius. Yeah. Like you see, a lot of companies do. Yeah. Um, that would be fine. But actually we went, no, I, I think we've got something here. And it's taken us 10 years of failing um, and learning from those failures uh, to understand what it is and what our, what our next steps will be. And, you know, the big F word is franchising for us. Okay. So this year we're going to learn all about franchising yep. and decide whether there is a family business way to do franchising. Okay. Because people buy in literally mm-hmm. to your business and then take on a franchise manual. Can you put in that franchise manual? What is so special about cast pasties? Yeah. And is that word special the most important thing about it? Mm-hmm. You know, it it's a really fascinating thing. Also, is it a suitable business plan for us? Yeah. Well, we're just about to open our uh, next store in Middlebrook, which is the biggest retail park in the country. It's next door to Bolton Wanderers. Mm-hmm. Um, our new shop is going to be next door to Greg's. Okay, it opens in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got everybody recruited for it. We're very excited. We're just, we're just training people now. You know, yeah. we're going to be opening quite soon. And that has been our sort of cost build-up for the proposition. You know, we can everything we're doing, we can put into a franchise manual. Yeah. Now we have to learn all about it, and we've got a consultant in and others. to, And we're going to report to the leadership team at the end of the year to say, right, this is what franchising is for us. Yeah. Are we going to put it in the mix? Yeah, go on over. And if we decide to put it in the mix... Mm-hmm. Then we have that growth plan. Yeah. If we have another type of well, actually, no. I think we should do it on our own. Fine. And we also have trade customers, independent businesses that share our values. Okay. We've said no to all the supermarkets. Yeah. We've said no to anybody that might, you know, represent a really big offer for us because mm-hmm. we're having too much fun. Yeah. And actually, what else are we going to do? Really? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's nothing as fun as this. There's yeah. nothing as annoying as this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing as frustrating as this. And there's nothing as rewarding as no. this. It's just, we are where we are. Yeah. And um, yeah, my brother's now just sort of coming out. He's just come out of a really, something that keeps him going, which is part of you know, helping the day-to-day stuff tick along and yeah. be the heart and soul of the company. I really love thinking about the numbers and thinking about where it could go. Liam is the heart and soul of the place. And between the three of us, I think we all need to be around in some respect. So in answer to your question, what was the thing? It was the it was the moment all three of us gave ourselves permission to look up yep. and look around and go, right, what's next?
0: And more than that, your plan now is to make, do, do even more looking up and looking around yeah. with, a, with a professional team coming in.
1: Totally, yeah. yeah. And we've got some brilliant uh, new customers coming down the pipe. You know, there's a massive arena being built in Manchester. It looks like we're going to be involved with that. Superb. Um, we'll do more with bottom wanderers, but there's other as yet unnamed football clubs in the area that are interested um, we have these other companies with really big plans who are in the convenience sector but also in the in food to go sector who we can partner up with Yeah. and all their plans are exciting and because we've been able to look up all that time ago and gone right we need to get ourselves sorted I mean it's all been fun but this is another fun bit coming up Yeah. we've got now the ability to to just see what is like, what the next step is. Yeah, you put
0: yourself on the map we'll and those put, opportunities yeah. are coming to you. They are, right, they are. Yeah, yeah
1: super. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you it. I've got the answer. I've got. I've got the answer. Chris Evans wrote about us in the Daily Mail. Okay. Joe, Joe had been down with my dad down south with um. What was that guy's name? Stacy Jeffries was his name. He's a bit. He's a Bolton guy, but he's a big name in the. Um, charity sector. Okay. If you want something big done for Help the Heroes, you call this guy and he gets up. He gets all his contacts to come and play around a round of golf. Yeah. So you had like Alan, everybody from Alan Hansen to a um, lot of go- like like actual golfers, Sam Torrance, people like that. But then you had like people like um, Kevin Keegan, Chris Evans, you know all these people who we they were playing Stoke Park down south. Okay And we were knocking out pasties from the six hole, Mm -hmm. and it was raining a lot. Right, and um, everybody was hiding in the marquee instead of playing golf. Chris Evans came in and he had a meat and potato pasty, and he walked away, and then he immediately came back in, started looking at everybody. Can I have another one of those, please? I went, all right. And he was having a chat, everyone Mm -hmm. was having a laugh, but he was inspecting it, and he was like, and then he came back and he went, Can I have another another one of those? I was like, Yeah, all right, you have another one. Sounds out he was just. You, I don't know whether you know or you listen to Chris Evans, but he gets he gets obsessed with things. Yeah. And for a little while there, he got obsessed with us. Right. He wouldn't do the ten past eight traffic on Radio Two, or whatever the breakfast show was at the time, until everybody in the studio had tried a cast pasty because it was Clean Out Your Freezer Day. Okay. Right? And he, Superb. Now, since then I don't think anybody at the BBC. If we get an opportunity, he goes, "No, you're not going to mention the brand, are you?" Yeah because right, <laughs> whatever he'd done was was not approved of but the headline was if cars pasties ever want to go global i'm in this might be my victor Kayan moment right okay. and he started talking about selling porsches in order to yeah and it was brilliant but that gave us the permission to look up brilliant and go bloody hell do you think we've got something here yeah and we're still we're still sending pasties and supply the old party for him. Uh He's great. He's been brilliant for us. I think he's mystified as to why we've kept him at arm's length. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. He wants wants to get in. Yeah, we're not letting him in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we can finish in a better way than the Chris Evans story. I'm going to ask you three very quick fire questions. Um, What do you dislike about being a business
1: owner? Um, It's not the responsibility. It's not the... Uh, hard decisions it's the day to day it's the getting up in the morning actually you've got two ways to get up in the morning haven't you? Really energised having a really clear idea of what the business is and you can't wait to race into work Mm -hmm. any business leader that tells you that they do that every day they're just not telling you the truth Mm -hmm. because sometimes you wake up and you know that things are going wrong and you know you've got that difficult decision yep. and you know that nobody's going to make it for you and you know that you're going to have to go in and do that difficult thing. Okay. And you can't control when that is. Yeah. So sometimes when you're in those modes and they pile up on top of each other, it's not great being a business owner. That's the
0: thing. Flip it around then. What do you love about being a business owner?
1: I'm not working for the man, am I? you right? Right? You know, Freedom. You know, I, I spent so many t- uh, years working for biz- big businesses, small businesses, And, um, you know, I've got that freedom to actually... Yeah, it turns out you work more than you should, probably. Um, But you've got that freedom to go, do you know what, today we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that cannot be underestimated. And my advice to my kids is, as they're choosing their careers, find out what you love, find out a way to do it, find out a way to make money from it, most of all, try and find out how to make your own business out of it, mm-hmm. because then you've got some freedom and you've got some autonomy, and uh, that cannot be underestimated.
0: Okay. Yeah. Last question: If you could change one thing in the world of business, what would it be? <sighs>
1: um, the perception that um, everybody needs to grow. Um, I've spent a lot of time as part of other business groups talk, uh, figuring out how to you know, kickstart the SME world, how to make everybody more productive. I do a lot of work with Be The Business um, whose, whose aim is to make UK's businesses more productive. People don't want to know how to grow. Quite a lot of people are quite happy employing 10 people and they don't need a growth strategy. They just need to figure out how their business can be better. Mm-hmm. So get rid of the G word and put in the word improve because okay. everybody wants to improve their business. And if you want people to engage with all of the offer, that's all of the help that's out there for people, all the help that's out there for different businesses, talk about how to improve your business. You know, Talk about how to improve the, the careers of the people that work for you. People, not everybody wants to grow and that's fine. But some of them accidentally will yeah. as they go to improve. Yeah i think that's my only thing
0: superb matt thank you very much thanks for your time thank you cheers well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with matt i found it fascinating uh, the three big takeaways for me, the first is that the family values just run through Matt, his brothers, and the entire organization. I think you saw that instantly from Matt, the way he talks about the business, and we've met loads of the staff today as, as we've been setting up and moving around the organization, and they are all identical in terms of the values, in terms of what they look. The family values runs incredibly strongly through this business. The second takeaway from me was that despite there being three brothers, and let's face it, siblings don't always get along. They've got a really clear way of making the big decisions. And I think that's a really interesting learn for any other businesses out there that have got, you know, siblings or multi-generational in the business and how you can make those critical and important decisions last but not least and i think probably the most impressive thing i've i've seen and heard today from matt and also how he talks about his brothers is that they recognize their own strengths and that they have done incredibly well over the last decade but the business is now getting to a size and a scale where they need to professionalize bring in outside experts to really fuel the next wave of growth and the fact that they recognize them uh, they recognize that in themselves for me is one of the biggest takeaways and something that you see Uh, lots of businesses uh, struggle with and and lots of family businesses uh, have that challenge and I, I think the example Matt and his brothers have given today is another really interesting insight so I hope you enjoyed it I look forward to catching up with you on the next podcast and until then take it easy guys thank you